Welcome to the Key Wealth Matters podcast, a series of candid conversations with leading experts about how individuals and organizations can grow and protect their finances, tailored around current events and trends. Here's your host for today's podcast, Brian Peterangelo. Welcome to the Key Wealth Matters weekly podcast, where we casually ramble on about important topics, including the markets, the economy, human ingenuity, and almost anything under the sun, giving you the keys to unlock the mysteries of the markets and investing. Today is Friday, September 9th, 2022. I'm Brian Peterangelo, and welcome to the podcast. As we head into the weekend, I'd like to pause for a moment to remember 21 years ago, the anniversary of 9-11, and honor the families, victims, and all the brave individuals that offered their lives and their efforts in order to help. So joining me today, I'd like to introduce our panel of investing experts here to provide their insights on this week's market activity. Steve Haight, Head of Equities, Rajiv Sharma, Head of Fixed Income, and Atar Bajwa, Director of Fixed Income Research. As a reminder, a lot of great content is available on key.com slash wealth insights, including updates from our Wealth Institute on many different subjects, and especially our Key Questions article series addressing a relevant topic for investors each Wednesday. In addition, if you have questions or need information, please contact your financial advisor. For this week's market and economic data, we had a short week due to the Labor Day holiday on Monday, but the rest of the week was fairly quiet and also interesting at the same time. On Tuesday, we had some services PMI information come out to talk about a little bit of a weaker demand and a drop in the overall index from July into August, seeing new orders in contraction territory and also seeing moderating hiring activity. Then on Wednesday, the Federal Reserve came out with their beige book and talked about roughly half the districts across the nation were seeing slight to moderate growth and the other half were seeing slight to moderate declines. And then on Thursday, we had the unemployment claims. Again, good news from this perspective, 222,000 initial unemployment claims were down 6,000 from last week, continuing to show at least strength at this present time in the employment market from an unemployment perspective. And then also we had a little bit of a market rally midweek for two days, so that was good news. And finally, we had some Fed speak with both Jay Powell and his comments and also Lael Brainerd. So we'll dig into that as part of our overall conversation. So Steve, let's uh, pitch the first question to you. We've had a little bit of a, la- of a rally during the week. What do you think's behind it? What do you think it means for investors? Brian, we definitely have seen stocks bounce this week. <laughs> and you know, quite frankly, when I take a look at where the S&P 500 sits, you know, really we start to get concerned when the S&P 500 or really any major index goes below significant moving averages. So in this instance, it was the 50 day. Um, and when that rally or when that sharp move fails to bounce back and recover the, uh, above that moving average, we tend to think about that in terms of being a, a warning sign for trend change. Okay. So This week, uh, or last week, we obviously cut below the 50-day really sharply on this pullback um, as the the market digested maybe a a slightly more hawkish Fed than what had been anticipated um, earlier in in July and August. And and this week, we've recovered to that 50-day. So I I think when we've talked over the last month or two uh, about there being 
uh, signs of momentum in this market, signs of potential trend change that that things were looking better and that we should be looking on the more optimistic side. Uh, here we are, you know, we knifed below the 50 day and now we've recovered back above it. And what what, what to me that means is it, it's a signal that I, I think we really do need to take seriously the idea that this is a, a positive trend change in the market that we've seen over the last month and a half. Now, there's a lot of skeptics out there about this. Um, it's very hard to find bulls, and I, I totally understand it. It runs completely counter to the market narrative that we hear on an ongoing basis where we've got you know, the drum beats of Fed tightening this, terrible European situation that, recession coming in 2023 this, you know, politics and all kinds of other problems that, and you know, bull markets climb a wall of worry. Goodness knows that we got plenty of things to worry about right now, right? So, like, I I, I see the market price action this week is is being something that's uh, actually really very favorable. Um, you know, when I look at earnings, earnings continue to do fairly well. I mean, they've been better than what people have expected. Market that we've we've seen expectations marked down. I think less than what people had thought for next year. And, and it pr provides us with a pretty decent bullish setup as we head through this weakest seasonal period of the year over the next three, three plus weeks or so. And once we get past that, I mean, it's, it, you're, you're into the, you're into the Santa Claus rally type type of season again, as we head into the deeper fall and into December. Um, and I, I think we, we see the potential here for, for equity investors to, to, to start chasing this market if if we start to get uh, a significant move higher from here. And thinking about that from the terms that we have a Fed meeting this month, Rajiv, what do you think uh, that correlates to what we're seeing from the Fed speak this week and what's going on with yields? Well, Brian, uh, the Fed Chair Powell uh, had another opportunity really to reiterate his and the Fed's stance on doing whatever it takes to combat inflation. Uh, his latest uh, public Q&A, Oh, it was a little longer than seven minutes that we saw at the Jackson Hole meeting August 26th. Uh, but what he said was the same story. I mean, it's, it's the Fed is committed to reduce inflation, even if unemployment increases. And this puts the FOMC on a path to raise interest rates again by 75 basis points for this September uh, 21st policy meeting. Basically, keep at it till the job is done. And that's the message that points to a Fed that's been aggressive. They've been raising rates at the fastest clip that they have been doing since the 1980s. Uh, we've seen the benchmark federal funds rate uh, from near zero in March to a range around two and a quarter, two and a half percent in July. And really, it bodes uh, two main questions heading into this September 2021st FOMC meeting. One is how much higher does the Fed expect to raise rates in the coming months? And two, uh, what steps uh, do they take to get there? Uh, several Fed officials have signaled that they would expect the Fed funds rate closer to four percent by year end. That's about 1.5 percentage points higher than where we are right now. Uh, that could be accomplished by a various level of uh, rate increases over the next remaining three Fed meetings this year. So if we look at it in simplistic terms, we could do 75 basis points uh, this coming September meeting and then smaller increases for the next two meetings. Uh, but I mean, I think the messaging has, has been very clear by Fed Chair Powell this week, uh, really wants to get the message home that uh, the Fed's not done yet. Uh, they'll do whatever it takes to combat inflation, and uh, that means raising rates. Uh, I think the Fed was a little spooked at the market 
the way it reacted after the last CPI report came out, uh, we saw a rally in the markets. We saw treasury yields go down. That's not really what the Fed likes to see. The Fed's on a mission right now. They want that message to be clear. Uh, they came out, as we all know, with the Jackson Hole meeting uh, with the statement, the seven-minute statement that uh, we're not done yet. We're going to keep on raising rates. The market didn't like that. We saw uh, rates climb back up. I think that's going to happen again uh, because we do have a CPI report coming out on September 13th. And then again, we could see maybe we beat expectations. Let's see what happens. But uh, we could see another rally in the markets. And then here we go. Fed meeting comes up and the Fed uh, reiterates the message again. Uh, the U.S. labor markets remain strong this year. And I think Fed Chair Powell highlighted that in his Q&A this week. We had other Fed officials. They're trying to convey the same message that rates need to move higher for longer. Uh, Fed Reserve Vice Chair Brainerd said that uh, the Fed will have to raise rates from these restrictive levels and keep them higher for some time. Basically in it for the long haul to get inflation down. If we see another uh, 75 basis point rate hike on the September 21st meeting, this will be the third 75 basis point rate hike in a row. Uh, Brainerd did say that at some point the tightening cycle may add a risk to the market that this could become a two-sided risk, but it's important to avoid pausing rate hikes uh, too soon. And based on all these comments, uh, fixed income markets have reacted that way. Uh, rates have moved higher. This has been the case since uh, the end of August. If you look at corporate bond issuance, we did see many issuers come to market this week, and I would anticipate that this will continue until we get close to that uh, September 13 CPI release. Another cue to take from the market is uh, the ECB. Uh, the ECB, they raised rates this week, 75 basis points. Uh, it was an increase, uh, again, something that the market had anticipated. But if you look behind this, the 75 basis point increase by the ECB, again, the theme is common, an attempt to battle inflation uh, and a very bleak economic outlook for, for the euro, <clears throat> for the eurozone. And so the move wasn't a surprise, but it's still historic nonetheless. Uh, after, all the, uh, after all, the ECB has been accused for a very long time of moving very slowly. Uh, so they did do the 75 basis point increase and they also slashed their forecast of economic expansion in 2023. So a lot of moving parts here, but I think the story remains the same. Do whatever it takes to combat inflation. That means uh, 75 basis points is the consensus right now. It's almost 90% of the consensus right now for a 75 basis point hike. So one last question for you, Rajiv. As the calendar falls this particular month, CPI print comes out and then the FOMC meeting is the following week. So what is the quiet period and when do you expect to hear any last comments from any Fed speak before the FOMC meeting? Uh, the quiet period is a week before the Fed uh, the Fed meeting, so you could still see some speakers come into uh, play next week. But after that's the quiet period, it's a blackout period, and, and it's a very interesting point. When there's a blackout period right before the Fed meeting, generally a week before the Fed meeting, uh, that blackout period, a lot of things happen. One, uh, the market starts to anticipate things because they're not hearing anything in the Fed. The other thing is you see corporate issuers come to market because there's not going to be this noise of uh, Fed speakers coming out. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see if that continues. Uh, I had mentioned uh, corporate issuance. Uh, September is generally a very busy month for corporate issuance. This month may not be as busy, and I think it's because we have these big numbers coming out. We have the big dates coming out. September 13th is a big date. September 21st is a big date. But anytime there's a mute by Fed speakers, I think uh, corporate issuers try to get involved at that point. Crazy thing is, though, Brian, really, there is no quiet period anymore because we've got, quote unquote, Federal Reserve spokesman Tim Rouse from The Wall Street Journal, who seems to be 
a very close confidant of some of those uh, Fed heads. And it seems like news seems to get into the market, whether it's a quiet period or not. Eve is absolutely right, because uh, last time we saw it also, I mean, Wall Street Journal puts an article out and your expectations of a 50 base point hike goes to 75 within like a few minutes after the article comes out. Yep, great point. So with our final opportunity, we're going to talk to Atar Bajwa. High yield environment seems to be a little bit different than it has been in the past. And we're also talking a little bit about the value of tips. So Adar, what do you think are, what do you think's going on there? Hey, thanks, Brian. So the high yield market has actually behaved quite uh, in line with what you would expect in a very strong market. We've seen spreads and high yield prices stay relatively tame during this whole market turmoil over the past several months. So any sell-off has been uh, pretty consistent with a slowdown economic, uh, in economic terms. Uh, earnings might be slowing down. Certainly the growth trend seems to be turning negative, but nothing like a recession. So they have been very well behaved in a very volatile market. So even today, as we stand, uh, high yield spreads are roughly about 500 basis points. That's sort of fairly normal. It's in the 50th or 60th percentile. Uh, if you were heading towards a recession or some sort of major market event, you would expect high yield spreads to be north of a thousand basis points. So all of those things sort of tend to say that the market is in pretty good shape overall. We've seen modest issuance this year compared to last year. We're seeing people really setting up their balance sheet for the long term. And most importantly, we're seeing shrinkage in the market. So the market is actually issuing less debt than it has before. So just this year, the high yield market has shrunk by about 8%. And the cash on balance sheet is the highest in recorded history of the index at $140 billion, which is quite remarkable. So overall, the picture in high yield sort of is saying, or at least telling us that it's a stable market condition. We don't see, you know, other than sort of normal economic or market-related uh, downturn, nothing sort of substantial. Uh, similarly, on the default side, the picture remains pretty steadfast. We haven't seen distress test, uh, distress debt uh, exacerbate the problem. It's been pretty steady at roughly about 20% of the market for the past several months. That's fairly typical for the market conditions that we're in right now. That's a great summary. The other topic that we've heard a lot about interest in relative to the fact that inflation is high is tips. So can you give us an overview of your comments on tips, Adar? So tips are treasury security. So these are issued by the US treasury backed by full faith and credit of the US government, but they are slightly different from typical treasury bonds in that both their principal and their coupon is actually related to the CPI, the consumer price index versus you know, most other treasuries are issued with a fixed coupon and sort of you know behave in the market based on uh, what the market expects interest rates are going to do, what inflation is going to do, what economic conditions sort of we're seeing both in the US and globally. So tips are much more in tune with what's going on in inflation. Um, and we've seen pretty dramatic changes within what the market expects over the short term and long term inflation is going to do. So if you look at just the tips pricing, in March, tips were pricing in inflation expectations north of 6%. So the one-year inflation rate that the market was telling us uh, inflation will average out to be is about 6%. 
today that number has come down to about 1.71% as of this morning. So overall market sort of certainly is in line with this expectation that inflation is largely the, the scare of inflation is behind us and that we should expect significant moderation in uh, inflation expectations and realize inflation going forward. So the tips market is behaved accordingly. Uh, this is a very good idea for investors who are concerned about inflationary risk, that they can buy and target inflation to their specific needs. So if you're worried about inflation in the short term, you can buy short term, like one, two, three year uh, tips bonds as compared to something like treasury. But if you have a longer term investment horizon, you can buy you know, and uh, hedge out almost your portfolio inflation risk by uh, incorporating some of these uh, inflation and tip sort of related security. So for 10 years, 20 years, very deep, very liquid market. But overall, the market is telling us that they expect inflation to moderate in the coming, you know, literally months and year. A great discussion today. So Steve, Rajiv, and Atar, thanks for your insights. We appreciate it. And thanks to our listeners for joining us today. Be sure to subscribe to the Key Wealth Matters podcast through your favorite podcast app. And as always, past performance is no guarantee of future results, and we know your financial situation is personal to you. So reach out to your relationship manager, portfolio strategist, or financial advisor for more information. And we'll catch up with you next week to see how the world and the markets have changed and provide those keys to help you achieve your financial success. The Key Wealth Matters podcast is produced by the Key Wealth Institute. The Key Wealth Institute is comprised of a collection of financial professionals representing key entities, including Key Private Bank, Key Bank Institutional Advisors, Key Private Client, and Key Investment Services. Any opinions, projections, or recommendations contained herein are subject to change without notice and are not intended as individual investment advice. This material is presented for informational purposes only and should not be construed as individual tax or financial advice. Bank and trust products are provided by Key Bank National Association, member FDIC, and Equal Housing Lender. Key Private Bank and Key Bank Institutional Advisors are part of Key Bank. Investment products, brokerage, and investment advisory services are offered through Key Investment Services LLC or KIPS, member of FINRA, SIPC, and SEC Registered Investment Advisor. Insurance products are offered through Key Corp Insurance Agency USA, Incorporated, or KIA. KISS and KIA are affiliated with Key Bank. Investment and insurance products are not FDIC insured, not bank guaranteed, may lose value, not a deposit, not insured by any federal or state government agency. KeyBank and its affiliates do not provide tax or legal advice. Individuals should consult their personal tax advisor before making any tax-related investment decisions. This content is copyrighted by KeyCorp 2022.